Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. Consider subscribing to get notifications the next time we post a podcast. And if you enjoy this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share with a friend or on social media. Jessica Paxton with you, host of All Wheel Drive weekdays, 3 until 7 p.m. here on 95 The One. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. Today, I'm going to talk about a picture that hangs in the lobby of the KYMN studios. It's an oversized photograph of Bridge Square from the turn of the century, and it hangs on the wall. The image is captured from high above this historic place in Northfield, and in the center is what looks like a water station for horses. And there are carriages on the street, and painted signs on the buildings, pedestrians going about their day, buildings that still stand today, and spaces that no longer exist except in the photographs of the past. Each time I look at that picture with one of my Art Zany Radio guests, I feel like I discover something new about the moment captured on some ordinary day in the history of Northfield. And I think there are a thousand stories in that tiny slice of life. Sometimes when I'm downtown Northfield, I pause to think about all the other feet that have walked the sidewalks of our community. I imagine their conversations, the clothes, the troubles on their mind, the places they might be going. I'm fascinated by the living that happened here over the past decades. Remembering helps me to feel a part of something that's bigger than we know and reminds me to appreciate more of the moments of everyday life. I think about the dreams of each of these travelers in time, and I hope that each of us can recognize the contributions of past Northfielders and resolve to try to make this place memorable for future generations. And I often think about what gets carried forward into the future. How will we remember this time a hundred years from now? And I think that's part of why I love doing Art Zany Radio and having these conversations. I want to help people see the value in their stories and see how we are building something together that makes the world a better place. Today, we are going to talk about the iconic and historic Archer House. You can look up the grandeur of this building through online images. And if you know the building... You will surely conjure up an image in your mind of the red brick front, the white trim around the elegantly detailed front windows and the architectural trim along the roof line, the front portico with the white railings across the expanse of the building. And I expect you will feel the centuries-old presence of this riverfront hotel space in the history of Northfield. And now, when you visit the Archer House website, the message says... 
The Archer House has been closed permanently due to fire damage. Thanks to all who have stayed with us over the years. It has certainly, the Archer House has certainly been on the minds of everyone in Northfield and everyone who drives past it. I feel that heartache every time I drive down Division Street and see how the fire and water and weather have left the building empty. And I think the building is missing its stories. So let's take some time to add some of those stories out into the world and share some of the Archer House with all of you. We're going to be visiting today about those Memories of the Archer House with historian Susan Vistendahl and author. She's got, we'll talk about a couple of her books. Welcome to Arts Any Radio, Susan. Well, thank you, Paula. I'm always glad to be with you. It's such a pleasure to have you again. And we also have a very special guest in the studio. And our, joining us today is Sandy, Sandy Haas. She is one of the former owners and did a lot to bring life to the Archer House. Welcome to Arts Any Radio. Well, thank you. This is really exciting to be able to share the journey of the Archer House from Dallas and I, our perspective. Right, yeah, because you and your husband went bought it uh, in the 80s, I believe right. it was. Mm-hmm. And I do want to let people know that Susan is doing an event at the library that we want to be sure you get on your calendar. That's on Thursday, September 9th at 6.30. And there is a uh, registration that you need to do. That's at the Northfield Public Library at their events page. And I'll have a link to that on our website as well. So that's an exciting thing thing that you're doing. We're not going to reveal all that Susan's going to tell, but we're going to talk a little bit about some of those stories. I guess I want to start maybe by asking both of you, how do you feel when you walk the streets of Northfield? I I often have that sense of the history that happened. Um, Which one of you wants to start and tell us what you do when when you're walking? Uh, Well, of course, uh, I've written uh, three historic happenings books about Northfield, and so I have uh, a certain amount of knowledge about the buildings. Uh, But I actually went on a Northfield Historical Society tour uh, recently. They had a walking tour, and I was amazed uh, to get to learn so much more about the architecture and so forth. And uh, so you can always learn something more about this this wonderful town. That's true. I don't think I know a lot about the styles and names and kinds of architecture, but I sure do love uh, imagining the people. How about for you, Sandy, when you are in Northfield, what's on your mind? Well, for me, it's like when I come back here, it's like there's such a big part of my heart that still remains in Northfield, even if I haven't lived here for very long, you know, taking on a project like, first of all, the Nutting Wall, and then we went on to buy the Archer House, and it was such a wonderful journey shared by many. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, Susan, you've been really integral in bringing some of that history forward with, for us. Tell us, you know, what is it that, that intrigues you or wants you to keep asking questions and learning and looking uh, around what's happening in Northfield and what has happened in Northfield? Well, it's an interesting question. I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. I suppose it's because I do keep learning more and more about it. Um, at some point, if you'd like, I can go through a brief history of the Archer House. Um, so that people get a little background on that. Yeah, we could start with that. I think you know. I think that um, people would maybe don't know that it was 1877. Yes, it, it was 1877, and um, uh, it was built by a Hastings hotel keeper. Uh, his name was James Archer, so it was named after him. Um, and uh, it was the Rice County Journal. I found uh, 
some stories about the grand opening that they had in August of 1877 and how excited everyone was at that grand opening. They had a band from Minneapolis come down, and they danced until dawn at the Lockwood <laughs> Lockwood Theater down the block. Imagine that with those uh, those Northfielders back in that century yeah, dancing I'm, until I'm, dawn. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, what would the music have been, or what the, the co- you know would they have been fancy dresses? Yeah, uh, it's yeah. really yeah, fun I'm sure to they think. were. I'm sure they were dressed to the teeth. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they were so pleased because this showed that Northfield was a progressive town with its very own uh, marvelous hotel for uh, for visitors. And uh, one of the hotel owners that came. Um, that came in 1889 was Henry Collar, K-A-H-L-E-R, and his family went on to to build a 1.75 million Collar Grand Hotel across from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester a, in 1921. A very well known place. Yeah. Yes, yes. So he was. Uh, uh, so that and that family went on to work um, to work in the hotel. Um, that. Hotels had other names. They were, it was called the Hotel Manawa, which was the Indian word for rest, in 1903. Mm. Balls Hotel in 1911. And then the longtime name was Hotel Stewart in 1912. And that's what it was when I was in college at St. Olaf in the 60s, the Hotel Stewart. And uh, at that time, it was the home of the Jefferson Bus Depot. So a lot, mm. of, the, a lot of the students knew that from coming into t- town and arriving at the colleges uh, through that bus depot. And then um, Sandy later will tell you a little bit more about Dallas Haas um, and uh, their work with it. But he, he took it over in 1981, and it, about only two-thirds of the hotel rooms were in any sort of an operating condition, and he brought back the Archer House name. It had been Hotel Stewart all that time. Um, I know Maggie Lee wrote, uh, who's a who's an editor, longtime editor uh, and writer, said that he ripped out everything. Fifteen tons of debris were taken from the third floor alone, and uh, the two of them started out to make it very special. And um, if she'd like to, at this point, talk about some of the things that you did in those early years uh, to to make it special, would you like to do that yeah, let's, at this point? Let's start with the, the Nutting Mall, which is where okay, you, yes. you right, first yes. were connected with the building. And I guess I didn't realize, I always thought it was integrated into the Archer House, but it was a separate... No, we bought that separately. Yeah. And renovated it in 1980. And that was something I think I read in, in Susan's notes that was kind of a dream of yours to have yeah. a gift shop. I, and here Dallas went and bought a whole mall. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, it was, it was pretty tough shape when we bought it. It had been neglected. There was a, um, my dream for a long time, you know, we all have dreams, was to have a gift shop. And so, I, you know, we talked about it and joked about it and, so one day he came. Um, there was a uh, there was a lease on the front part of the building for a, a travel agency, mm. and the guy had just resigned the lease, and so there, you know, it was hard for Dallas because he didn't know how to go about the renovation because he wanted that front space to be able to be kind of the showcase. Yeah, you of would the want building. the shop in the front, yeah. right? And so <clears throat> I kind of you know put it on the back shelf and. He came in, it was early January of 1980, and he said, looked at me, he said, you want to do a gift shop now? And I said, why? (laughs) He said, because the guy decided to move back to Winona. So all of a sudden, this whole adventure began. 
you know, just like that. Wow. And it was so fun. We had such a great time. And then once people knew I was coming in, then, then the girls came for the cocoa bean and then office space and the, the, the lawyers came in. And so it was really, you know, it just boomed. I mean, he, he couldn't get it done fast enough for everybody. And so with that, having the gift shop when the hotel came for sale, you know, it just seemed like such a perfect fit for us. Now, I read that Maggie Lee was the one who kind of put the little bee in the bonnet of, maybe you guys should should buy that. Tell us that part well, of the story. Well, Maggie was always, <laughs> she she was so dear to us. To, and and she and to this community. Loved, she loved the hotel so much. And I have a real cute story. Um when we were in the midst of, you know, d- d- designing rooms and decorating rooms and everything, and I had a room that I was doing with the bent wood, the willows, and furniture, mm. and I had the guy had delivered like in March all, and it was a, a bed frame or a bed headboard and a desk and a, a lounge and I can't remember what else. Anyway, she, Maggie happened to be in the hotel that day when all this was happening and so um she was all she was always so excited about everything and so then about two weeks later i came back up and it was in the was in the front of the um building so it had a lot of sunlight in that in that room and i came up and all everything was blooming <laughs> all the willow oh, no. and it was just like it was just <laughs> like spring uh-huh. all the everything had leafed out and so I had to call Maggie, and so then she wrote a whole story about my blooming furniture. <laughs> so, you know, she just did so much for us, and you know, I, I, she was just so excited right along with us, and and really everybody in Northville was kind of in the same place. They were just loved to come and see what was happening, and. Yeah, it's the heart of downtown, really. Well, absolutely, and they, you know, it was like having all these cheerleaders out there, and, and for they us. contributed so much. Mm-hmm. The Northfielders, uh, you can mention that oh, how much yes. they contributed. Oh yes, I said we couldn't. I mean, you cannot do. Well, you could do it alone, but we wanted to embrace the gifts and talents of the people of Northfield, and so you know, I had people who helped with you know decorating and and uh, window treatment wallpaper i mean there's so many great stories about the people that contributed to the hotel and uh i was you know dallas and i were always so grateful because it really was a part the heart of the town for a long time Mm -hmm. and i couldn't help but wonder in the notes susan had done an interview with you and in in those notes there was a, a piece about finding some ceramic cats for your gift store yes and i have to want i i want to ask you if there's a connection to maggie at all because she had a a giant cat collection so do tell Um, (laughs) my daughter had gotten this really cute cat for a birthday present but there was no label on or anything and and i thought when it was before i bought the store and i thought oh that would be a really great item you know and I looked for these cats wherever I went to market, <laughs> and I couldn't find those cats. And Dallas and I went to L.A. for the gift show because he liked to go to the gift shows with me. So it was a way to combine a vacation along with a little bit of work. So we're in the big um, gift, the gift um, store or 
market, and I'm walking down. I turn and go walking down, and all I see is cats. <laughs> I finally found my cats. <laughs> and I'd get them by, like, 20, 25 at a time at the hotel, and it was just it was just mayhem. <laughs> and so we always had so much fun with the cats and of course Maggie had I think she had several she did (laughs) and were they in each room is that what I'm understanding we put them here and there everybody would just kind of pick a place and put it up in a room and the the nice thing for the hotel was everything that was in the like the pictures and the furniture whatever I mean we sold everything you know it, (laughs) it was an extension of the golden unicorn so people could stay and and buy a chair or something they liked out of the room or a cat or a <laughs> stuffed animal. And so it was a way for me to keep rotating stuff in and out, of, you know, <laughs> with fresh merchandise, you know. And everybody took home a treasure. And you had hand-painted glasses. Oh, yeah. Tell them about yeah. that. We had for, um, we had um, these beautiful glasses that were hand-painted. And then you get a, a thing of of, of um, champagne. I couldn't think of. And so uh, that was their our gift to people coming in, if for a wedding, an anniversary, birthday, whatever. And so, and then they had their names painted on them. So they, they were truly home. custom. Yeah, they really yeah. were. Yeah. So. And when you bought the hotel, what was the condition of the building at not, that time? Not, not good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Susan talked about the, was it? Debris uh, how on many the tons? third floor. Oh, 15 yeah. tons yeah. of debris on yeah. the third floor alone. I was trying to envision what that looked like and how <laughs> yeah, many dumpsters that was, must have filled. But he wanted, we wanted to live with it for a little while. Just, I think just to get the feeling of the building and the building would tell us kind of where we were to go. So were there uh, there at the time there wasn't an elevator is that right No there was no elevator and that it was everything um in fact Dallas didn't have to put the elevator in until we did the new addition mm. when we did the new addition um then that's when the elevator went in And talk about how you and Dallas worked together I think you guys both had a a a, a nice mix We did I mean I always said it was like yin and yang. I maybe said that before, but, you know, my strengths were his weaknesses and vice versa. So we were kind of just, it was just kind of a match made in heaven, I guess I could say. But every room, we would go into the rooms by ourselves, at, you know, whenever we, and we'd take a pad of paper and pencil and go out and kind of draw the room and kind of visualize where we'd put the furniture and the Whirlpools were a really big part of of the ambiance in the hotel. That was well. the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 80s. <laughs> and so we really we really worked together really perfectly. I mean, we re- it was really fun. And we just enjoyed the vent- adventure. Tell us about that. That um, maybe there's a memory that comes up today about the the construction and you know converting the rooms and trying to you know put them together. Uh, one of those days of of working, you know, well, a lot of hard work. I just it was just like I'd find a wallpaper, I'd find fabric, and it would just all come together in my head. I was it was a really magical time for me. I, I didn't realize I had a gift. 
<laughs> until you start doing these kind of things. And it just kind of flowed. You know, I tell him when I was it was fine, whatever I wanted to do, he never doubted me. But it's, he had the construction know how. Yeah, he was the, oh my, yeah. He started building at the age of about 17. He bought his first land in Burnsville. Well, he was still in high school. How he, did, that's he amazing. Could, he couldn't even um, sign the for the loan. His his ex mother in law did for his first <laughs> property in Burnsville, and that's where all of it began. But he was pounding nails as a little boy because his dad was in constru- or was in construction, and so he just had a natural gift. He really did, and he could carry it in his head. You know, he knew what he wanted to do, even if it was on paper. He just was kind of brilliant that way. Yeah, and it's it's really, I mean, what people remember now is probably from the renovations that right. you did to, to the front of the hotel. Right. Um, Susan, you were showing me some pictures of it when it used to be this Hotel Stewart, right. yes. and it didn't have any of the the front. Um, no. I, you know, I don't know if it's called a porch or portico. Portico. The portico, the portico is the door, right? But then the sides. The, the portico is that part that fell down. Uh, uh, that fell down in May. That uh, Laura Hackle had that video. That's the portico. And so, if people come yeah. to your talk at the library, they yes, will... that's one of the things that we're going to have. We're going to have some videos, um, uh, including the KSTP interview that uh, was done in December second when Richard Reeve came down and he uh, talked to Brett Reese and me about the the fire and had some beautiful shots of indoors, which some of the other um, TV stations didn't have. And so, we're going to run that. Uh, run the, that couple minutes, um, and so you can see what the interior of it was like, including the Archer um, Archer House Bar, which had just been redone, uh, which was not there very long, but they had just spent put money into it about one hundred and fifty thousand uh, over that summer, and then came the fire. But at any rate, yes. Yeah, so we're going to have that. We're going to have a drone uh, picture that um, that uh, not a picture, a drone uh, footage of drone footage of uh, the um uh, of the archer house uh, after the demolition or not a demolition complete but yeah so thanks to tim freeland for that we'll have that so uh, we're adding some video components to my talk is i guess what i'm trying to say here <laughs> yeah and that will be uh, really exciting i want people to know that is going to be at the northfield public library so i should also let you know that this is art zany radio for the imagination you're listening today as we're talking about memories and stories of the archer house in downtown northfield i'm here with susan vistendahl and sandy haas and susan is giving a talk called the history of the archer house on thursday september 9th at 6 30 that's in the large room in the main and floor Bunday room yes and um, that's a part of the defeat of Jesse James official yeah. event a towny night event that's right yeah. and uh, there'll be books available for purchase you yes, have some uh, news about that I certainly do um, I'm going to be picking up at right after this I'm going to be picking up the second edition of volume one of my historic happenings books um, we decided that it was time to do a second edition, especially because the Archer House uh, from 1890 picture is on the cover, and we wanted to put uh, the, um, the the painting that David Allen did on the cover and also have to do, unfortunately, an update on what had happened to the Archer House. So so we, uh, we did, uh, early this summer, we decided, okay, let's go ahead and do a second edition. 
And so um, uh, BioMeans Graphics in Northfield is my publisher, and they can get things done very fast. So all you people out there that have a book in you, you can go local with, with your book ideas. Um, and so I have Rob to, Shanilak is fabulous. Rob <laughs> Shanilak and uh, Ronica Roberson, uh, terrific uh, layout and uh, just all very helpful people there. At any rate, um, I'll be picking that up. So that's new second edition uh, with updates on many of my stories. It was originally published in 2014, and some people have died that are were in there, and some people have. Um, uh, like the coach at the high school mm-hmm. <laughs> has <laughs> has since retired. There's a whole story in there about um, the 1997 football team and so forth. So Bubba Sullivan has since uh, retired, but that story is still there. Um, and of- it's a way to commemorate uh, other people like Maggie Lee and Dan, Dan and uh, Sid Freeman. And so there'll be a lot of people in there that um, I think people will like to be uh, have in their memories, so that's so going to be coming out. I'll be I'll be signing those uh, those books. Also, uh, volume two, which was about Saint Olaf. Volume three, about stories from Carleton. I just gave a copy of the Carleton one to the new president of Carleton College, and then the biggie. 2019, the history of the St. Olaf Band with uh, my co-author uh, Jeff Sove. We'll be selling that as well, so uh, a chance for people to buy that. And then I'll just say one other thing is that uh, if you can't come and want a book, you can get them around town at uh, various various places, especially the Northfield Historical Society and the shop mm-hmm. at By All Means uh, Graphics. Absolutely, and if people are interested, they should visit mynpl.org forward slash events and there'll be a place to register for the event. And the registry is just very simple. Uh, it doesn't take more than a minute. <laughs> they, I think they just want to know who's coming in this. this it's a small venue. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and um, only masks for those that are unvas- unvaccinated. Yes, exactly. And so that is is a, a wonderful thing that's happening, and I want people to be a part of that. And um, I guess one of the things that I was thinking about was that day, um, November 12th of 2020 was the day of the fire. And um, I think all of us can remember when we heard about, I think it was my husband saw it on Facebook and said, you, "What? look at this, you've got to, you can't believe this is happening. And it was just heartbreaking for us to see. And, you know, we were kept saying, you know, hope they can save it. <laughs> and yeah. um, the, our, you know, wonderful fire departments worked for uh, was 24 hours, I think, to uh, try to keep that fire down. Two uh, million gallons of water, if you can imagine that, that they that they put on it. Two million gallons to fight it. And, of course, that left a lot of the water damage, and then along with the smoke and the mold and the, the structural damage and so forth. And they've just uh, announced August 26th that, uh, unfortunately, it's going to take another two months before they can demolish it. <laughs> yeah, we had thought that was and going start to be this again. month. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, it'll be a year in November, so mm-hmm. <laughs> people are, you know, wondering. But that, that took it took until May for the insurance investigation to end. And I know on that KSTP interview, um, uh, Brett was saying, well, by Christmas, we should have the information about the insurance. And it took much longer, but... And what were you thinking, Sandy, when you heard about the fire? Oh, my daughter Jennifer called to tell me, and she was just sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, because she had her her salon in the hotel for, I think it was 
I I can't remember with time frame, but I think she was there for about fifteen years. She she had her salon in the, and you know when Dallas, because she's moved it in. I think before he passed away, or she was going to. I I just can't quite remember now. But I think he was was before he passed away that she had moved her salon in there, and they were very close. And you know my girls grew up part of the hotel. Mm-hmm. As well as the unicorn, they were like twelve and fifteen teenagers, and so you know the kids all worked at the hotel making beds and <laughs> cleaning toilets. <laughs> you know they were part of you know just everyday work. You know in the hotel or on the weekends especially, but you know it was a family, you know really uh, event. You know when it opened and and. You know, as a family, we were very proud of what we'd accomplished for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was integral to um, all of what's happening. I think maybe now might be a fun time to visit some of the um, places that 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 are no longer there, but people might have memories of all the little shops that were around. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is Treats, because oh, yeah. that was there when yeah. I was in college, and it was. Um, you know, just such a fabulous deli. And I remember being taken to lunch by a professor and it was just one of my favorite memories of being in Northfield. Um, so there, there, what are the ones that come to your mind? Are there's, I mean, tons of stores that have been in that space. Let me just tell you uh, something that uh, Dan Bergeson said. He liked the onion soup there at Treats. Is the, that oh, something French you remember? Soup? I don't remember. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have ordered that. I oh, don't know okay. if that was. <laughs> It probably was fabulous. I just remember how wonderful it was, the sandwiches and the salads. and. Okay, well, San, we, we do have a 1986 poster that we're going to be putting uh, in our slideshow, and people will be able to see some of the names, but uh, I'd like Sandy to talk about some of these businesses. Yeah. Well, we had, you know, of course, uh, the tavern downstairs was such a gathering place, and Chuck Pryor did such a wonderful job. Well, he wasn't the original, but mm-hmm. when Chuck took it over, I mean, I, it's been 26 years. So my memory isn't always so great either. But we always had the best fun shops. You know, the del- the deli or the coffee shop. Was oh, such Hattie's. A ga- Hattie's was such a gathering place. I remember and buying nanny, lots of nanny tea. Nanny Goats, you know, she did so many wreaths. And decorations for the hotel because I put her things so she was moving she had more room so she could put her wreaths and dec- you know dried flowers and so you know they would go out the door with a lot of people staying overnight and a we have remembrance and we have a photo of her that uh, we'll be showing her in her shop right in front of her shop well you know it was just from Maureen Valley right. so thank you yep. Maureen for that one yeah I couldn't remember her. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's been 26 yeah. years. Nancy and, Moyer, yeah. Yeah, so. And the cocoa bean, we should mention well, that. that. Yeah, because that came, when they the girls found out that I was opening the gift shop, then it was just a perfect match for us to have the, the, these two cute shops, you know, across from each other. And so they come in and get, get ice cream, sometimes come in the store and drip ice cream around the floor. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then we'd want to go get ice cream, and you know, I just I was so blessed because I had such wonderful girls that worked at the Unicorn. Everybody took 
kind of uh, like it, treated like it was their own because um, you know that was just a, a really nice place to start from where we went from there, you know, to the hotel. And mm-hmm. we had always had such wonderful people that came and and helped us and were a part of the the process of the hotel. And, meet, you know, it was it was just open to everybody. I mean, there was, you know, Dallas would be there till midnight, 1 o'clock every day. <laughs> he'd like to have to put everybody to bed before he'd come home. <laughs> and I always got so disgusted because I can't, I'm not a good sleeper, so I... I'd be looking at the ceiling. He'd come in, lay down on the bed, and he'd be gone. I mean, he was just like he could switch, a, you know, that on and off. And so, and then he'd wake up all cheerful at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story about Dallas that, that I would love for you to tell because apparently he went everywhere with one uh, tool with him at all times. Well, the Stanley tape went to heaven <laughs> with him. <laughs> Tell us yeah. about that, because he, he was measuring all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, when we went, it didn't matter where we went on vacation. And he didn't take the little one. He always had to take the big Stanley tape with him. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd be out, you know, measuring stuff. We'd be in San Francisco or someplace. You know, he'd always find something to... <laughs> it was just kind of like, it was so attached to him and part of his personality, which, you know, really endeared him to so many people, too, you know, with the Stanley tape. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, um, I had bought Jennifer a, a little Shih Tzu puppy, and um, I, he was just adorable. And so I said, well, what are you going to name him? She said, well, I'm going to name him Stanley. And After- I said, I, it, I didn't click right away. And she said, well, because of Dallas's tape, Stanley <laughs> tape. So he and Stanley, the dog, Dallas and Stanley, the dog, had quite a relationship. Yeah, and Stanley has a pretty great story to tell because the uh, Archer House was, you know, over the years, right. I mean, think about all the different people that stayed there, but mm-hmm. there's one celebrity that you had yeah. a, uh, t- a mix with. Tell us about that encounter. We were really lucky and blessed to have Betty White come and stay with us. And she had been invited by St. Olaf to come and speak. And so... Um, that was the time when Golden Girls was on the right. air, and she was coming back because her character was... 1992. Yeah. Right. And her character was from the town of St. Olaf, I think. Saint, town, yeah. yeah. And so she, you know, I loved her so much because I got kidded about living in Northfield and St. Olaf. I always was kidded, you know, that I was somewhat like Betty Wayne. Betty White, which would would have been grand. And you had four girlfriends that watched the show, yeah, right? We all watched the show, so each one of us was one of the characters. So I, of course, Betty was the best. And so anyway, so Dallas told me, guess what? He said, um, Betty White's going to come and stay with us. Well, I couldn't have been more excited. And so she came on a Sunday. So I put her in the scene, or in the um, Carlton suite. It was a one, at the top of the third floor, and it, it's a big suite. And so I went over to my over to the unicorn, and I brought all these stuffed animals, dogs and cats and whatever, and piled mm-hmm. them on one of the one of the beds for her. <laughs> and then I went to the cocoa bean and got candy, and it just really filled the room up with personal things from you know that made her would make her feel at home. And so she went off to her lecture and. It was about 10 o'clock at night, and the phone rang, and I answered, and she, it's Dallas, and he said, say, um, 
Betty's here and she'd like to meet Stanley. <laughs> so I picked Stanley up because she loved Shih Tzu. That was her favorite. And I knew that. Oh. And so I brought Stanley down to the hotel. And she and I sat on the floor in the lobby and just played with Stanley. It's just one of the, you know, my dearest memories because, you know, she was so wonderful. And I, I always say she she is everything you would want her to be. She's just, she was just the sweetest woman. And there's, you know, there, you know, sometimes people from Hollywood and stuff can have two personalities. And no, she, what you see is what you get with Betty. And I've always been so grateful for that experience. In my new edition, uh, we are going to have a picture of Betty White holding a dog. And it, it's not Stanley. No. But uh, when I wrote about her in 2008 in my Historic Happenings at St. Olaf book, um, uh, she she had, when I originally wrote in the Entertainment Guide about it, about her, uh, she sent a, a picture to my friends at the Northfield Entertainment Guide, uh, all my best wishes, and she's holding a dog. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to tell this story of Sandy's, and I'm going to put that picture of her holding that dog. So you'll see that in this new second edition. That's well, a it was great probably a Shih Tzu. It was. I think it, yeah, I think she, it might be. She yeah. loved, I knew yeah. that she loved Shih Tzu, and... And Stanley, I, I have a cute story about Stanley, because he and Dallas were so attached. Da uh, Stanley loved Dallas and vice versa. So, But Stanley was like Houdini. He could escape, get off his chain, <laughs> and disappear. And, of course, I'd be sobbing and crying on the telephone telling Dallas, Stanley's gone again. So I'm talking to him as he had run away again, and... Yeah, this guy came in the hotel and he said, you know, there's a dog sitting out here wanting to come in. Well, <laughs> I said, well, Stanley went to visit Dallas at the Archer House. So, you know, he yeah. was, he, he and Dallas had a wonderful relationship and it was so cute. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know, Susan, of any of the other famous people that might have stayed at the Archer House? How, do they keep track of that? Well, it, um, Booker T. Washington uh, was there in 1900 to give a talk. At, um, I think it, it, it was for Carlton, but it was like in the Union um, Church there, I believe. Mm. Um, and so um, there, that was probably... And then... Um, one of the members of the Collar family, younger member, would uh, take people back and forth uh, to the uh, town depot. And he remembers doing that and uh, polishing the shoes of Booker T. Washington in 1900. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and um, I'm not sure. I'm sure there, there were a lot of people, obviously, that would have stayed there uh, when they were appearing at St. Olaf and, and, and Carleton. Um, one uh, apocryphal story is that Mark Twain stayed there. But, however, um, I know um, a few years ago the Northfield Historical Society tried to check that out, and they couldn't. But you mm -hmm. see that story popping up time and time again, that Mark Twain signed the book, uh, either at the Archer House or maybe it was the YMCA or, I mean, you know, mm. um, but uh, I, have to, I have to, to say now they yeah. can't verify that Mark Twain was ever in this area during that period of time. So, sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I'm certain, and maybe that's okay that we don't know everything because everybody needs to have their, you know, uh, <laughs> just speculation. Yeah, that's well, or, or just have their uh, stories kept right. inside the hotel and you know not, um, not not told. Uh, but there, I mean, there's there's thousands of stories from from the Archer House, and it's such a uh, treasure to be able to have these these times with you. What was hard about the story is that you and Dallas had the dream, but then Dallas unfortunately died very. Young. He did. It, you know, like I said the night before, it was like after, you know, after I collected myself and was thinking, you know, that it was like he had a premonition mm. just because of of the things he said and did. And um, he was 56. Yeah, right? he was 56. just 56. Yeah. Mm. He would have been very young. Yeah. The town was in mourning, essentially. Oh, oh, they couldn't was, believe uh, that it had happened to him, you know, because no. he was so young and vital. And uh, I actually found uh, a 1987, I believe it was, um, uh, tape that I watched. I never met him, but I sort of met him through a library talk that he gave back in 1987 about his uh, about his career. And I could see why everyone was just enthralled with him as a, as a person. And they would, uh, one year he was given... Um, his industry was given a you know industry of the year yeah. award, and they were kidding him about how he would go and uh, uh, pick up baggage, you know, pretend oh. he was uh, like oh, a yeah. bus boy, yeah. and then he told everybody, and I took tips too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was his uniform in the summer was a plaid short sleeve shirt with his jeans, <laughs> and Mr. Jacobson kept him um, dressed very well. <laughs> and then in the okay. winter, he had flannel plaid shirts. And so that was just, I mean, to try to get him dressed up to go anywhere was quite a task for me. <laughs> I'd have to lay everything out and be very specific about what he was supposed to do because, you know, he, that's how he was seen and known was with his traditional shirt and jeans. And But, no, they'd cut, try to tuck the money in his pocket. And, <laughs> yeah, Is sure? Well, they would say, well, who did this project? And he'd say, oh, um, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of sheepishly. And, and so, you know, he was a very humble man. Mm-hmm. Dallas was. He was they remember. Humble. They remember a yellow pickup, was it? Oh, yeah. That was his beloved truck. Mm. Was yeah. it a pickup truck? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I have a really cute story. I don't know how much time I have. Yeah, that's but fine. This is off track a little bit. But Dallas, you know, he always had... Uh, ice cream buckets full of change oh. <laughs> in, in the yellow truck because he we had apartments and so he was always emptying machine you know mm-hmm. washer and dryers and what have you and he'd set it on the and I'd say well you know you gotta you gotta be more careful with that I said what if it fell out oh that's not gonna happen so he was headed up to the up to St. Paul for something and and um all of a sudden, his door—he was at a—he was coming to a stop sign. There was a police officer behind him, and all of a sudden, the door opened, and the whole bucket, bucket of change fell. Oh no! In the mud because it was raining, <laughs> and the the sir, the police officer came and said, "Sir, um, about this, what is this deal with all that change?" <laughs> and he said, "Oh, I was taking it to the bank." 
And, and then it was all, and then I had, he brought it home and I had to wash all the change. Oh my. <laughs> get the mud and stuff out of it. Put so, it in the bathtub. Yeah, and I tried <laughs> to tell him, but she never listened. Oh. So he was, you know. It sounds like he was a beloved character in he town. He very, very much was, very beloved. Yeah. He just didn't have a mean bone in his body. He was kind and and caring and. And the two of you were great partners and mm-hmm. in bringing the Archer House to life. And, um, you know, I, I would imagine this is a hard time for you trying to, to think about what, um, you know, what's been and what might be and kind of in that in-between well, space. Well, I've tried to find peace, mm. you know, because it was such a joyful time. So I have my memories and and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And. You know, grateful to, like I said earlier, I'm so grateful to all of you out there who helped participate in in the Archer House, the beauty of it and the, the uniqueness of it. It took all all of you to help make it such a special place. And, you know, I, I'm saying thank you from Dallas as well. <laughs> so we, we are, have, I still have a grateful heart and think about you. It's even all these years later, it's not, that doesn't leave me. It's just just was a wonderful chapter. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I loved was that you said that one of your jobs at the hotel was making memories for the guests, yep. that you really worked hard to make sure that the people that came and visited had an experience or, yep. you know, got the birthday celebration or the anniversary or the wedding was special. Yeah. And that that those memories people carry, and I think that's why there have been so many people, uh, you know, because we have this big social network now right. that have heard of the story and uh, have been, you know, just sharing memories of of the Archer House, and uh, you're a big part of that story. Well, I have a cute story because I have one of my best friends from junior high. She did the, some of the painting in the hotel. She in the geranium room. She painted this beautiful sa- um, ceiling. And then she was helping me with the anniversary suite. We had taken the original furniture, stripped it down, and then Mary painted it and did her hand painting on it. And so it was it was up in the anniversary suite. There were a couple, three pieces. And so uh, her signature was a little ladybug. And so um, I had put guest books in most of the rooms so people could write a write about it and so this one day this lady came stomping down the steps to the lobby and she said I want to know who's where you that you've put me in a place with all these lady ladybugs (laughs) oh we got such a kick out of it Dal said well that's just a painted ladybug it's not infested with ladybugs oh it's so funny so you know people are we're just, but that's such a cute story because you know it was just this little, these little ladybugs that Mary painted, <laughs> but it got her all upset. <laughs> yeah, and it was truly, as you said, uh, um, you know, the, this this community was a big part of bringing it to oh life. Oh my and goodness, absolutely! It couldn't have done it with all the people that sewed and helped decorate and be a part of the whole thing. I mean, everybody had joy from it. Oh, and I have one more cute story is I had a, my daughter's, one of her really good friends was a, a, her mother was a home ec teacher and Debbie was very creative. She was, I think, a year older than Jennifer and they did 4-H together. 
So it was like in the spring, and Debbie came to me, and she said, Sandy, I've got to find a project for 4-H. And I said, I said, well, let me think, you know, where I could use her in the hotel. I said, how would you like to do a whole room for your 4-H project? Because, you know, I knew her so everything would be meticulous. And so she, I let her decorate the, you know, pick the fabrics and, and so Debbie, um, it was beautiful. And then she took it to the state fair, you know, her, mm-hmm. her, um, you know, the, her the rendition. Yeah, her model. And she won grand champion at the state fair. For, oh, that's a great um, story. For, it was called Little Women was the name of the room. Wow. But, you know, it's just all these, I mean, I, I, I just am so grateful for all the talent that I had available to me. And for Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. we appreciated everything everybody did. Yeah, and that that brought it to life. And, well, and absolutely, it made it so. It made the whole tell special because it was not just. It was created mm-hmm. by a whole lot of wonderful, talented people. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, that's why we wanted to visit about it today because it's been <laughs> on the minds of people, and we want mm-hmm. to kind of bring some of those memories back into the world so that. Maybe we can start taking those to the the next step. I just wanted to mention that uh, I will be speaking to Dallas Haas later today, and so I'll be incorporating... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not Dallas. I wish I were talking to Dallas. <laughs> Me too. No, I know. <laughs> I'll be talking to Brett Reese later today about Dallas Haas. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah. And uh, so um, I'll be able to add some of his viewpoint uh, when I talk on uh, Thursday as well. Um, and uh, I, we have to give credit to the amount of money and resources and uh, attention that Brett Reese and his company uh, has put into it as well. Um, and, um, you know, it's a big loss for them. They put $1.1 million into it in 2011 when I first wrote, was writing about the Archer House. And um, during the pandemic, they also put uh, an extra 150000 in renovations. Or so, more, I because they did. Uh, yeah, that was just more probably the that. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah more I, than that. So... Uh, it, it's been a blow to um, uh, to the whole community, and uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and we do want people so. to go to that talk at the library again. That's on Thursday, um, September 9th, 2021, 630 to 730. And as you mentioned, if you aren't able to, to make it to the library event, there's going to be a premiere on September 24th on Northfield Public Broadcasting. That is channel, I wrote that down here, um, one... 87 on Charter Cable, and that is also going to be in their archives at npb.ci.northfield.mn.us, especially for those folks that are maybe out of out of state or, you know, has stayed here at one point and want to relive yeah. some of those memories. That would be a, a great way for them to, to be able to do that. It will be rerun throughout the year, and then they will have a, a link. Uh, they'll be publicizing the link, so you could just go to it directly on demand. That'll be incredible for, for so everybody. So that's another way to keep the legacy of the <laughs> of That's the right. And you have something you want to share, too, Susan, about an event happening a little bit later. That's in October, on October 2nd, Saturday, October 2nd. There's a Deep Valley Book Festival happening. Oh, yes. And I'm looking forward to this, an in-person event after a year of Zooming. Uh, <laughs> and I was able to finally be at the... Um, Senior Center of the 50 North in June, but that was the first live event after you know since the pandemic. 
Um, but here's another one that's coming up October 2nd at the Loose Moose Saloon and Conference Center in Mankato. So I'm dying to see what that looks like. <laughs> Great name. Great name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And um, by all means, graphics uh, is going to be there with not only my books, but uh, the other books. And I thought I would mention that because uh, the latest one is a 100th anniversary of the St. Olaf Theater Department book by Jeff Sove, who was mm-hmm. my... Uh, who was my co-author uh, on the band book. And we have one called Vietnam Medic. How Did You Find Me After All These Years by Denny and Karen Venar, who now have the paper Petalum, which is... Um, Another classic. Remember that, yes, uh, Alan Eleanor Kroon had that one for a long time in the Arch House. They were able to... They bought it, and uh, suddenly there was a pandemic and so forth, so... Uh, and then the fire, and mm-hmm. so they moved to the old Jenkins Jewelry spot. So here's a little oh. shout-out for uh, for Paper Petalum. Um, and they have written a book about uh, what happened uh, in, earlier in their lives. And we have another author, Amanda Scow, Superhero Joey. Uh, so, um, again, thanks to m- publisher Rob Shanelak, Ronica Roberson for their talent and professionalism. Fabulous. We have just about a minute left to to wrap up the show, and I bet we could talk for hours about (laughs) stories about the Archer House. I'm thinking, you know, you'd mentioned, Sandy, all the creative people that um, helped to contribute, and that Northfield's known for its creative people. Yes, always. I expect there'll be a lot of creative ideas about what might, you know, be next. What are your hopes that, that, you know, 100 years from now, people will keep talking about um, related to the Archer House? Well, I think the thing is, is the memories people have in their heart that they tell their family members to keep, you know, that's how they keep it alive. You you know, through family, you know, traditions and visiting and laughing. And, you know, everybody has a story about that's personal to them from staying at the hotel. That's right. And and so, you know, as long as there's people and families, I think, you know, they will continue on. Any thoughts, Susan, uh, in closing? Well, I just want to thank you, Paula, for allowing this time for us. And uh, I think it has meant a lot, in particular to Sandy, to be able to reminisce about those days uh, in the Archer House. And so many other people have these memories as well. Um, I I reached out on social media to people, and uh, I had many, many responses of people remembering that they'd been to special events there and how much it had meant to them. Right, and we will get them back. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. they'll be, like you said, the stories will keep going, but we have to keep telling them. Well, both my girls had their wedding receptions mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, there's family, there's generations that had, you know, did the same Special as events, we did yeah. back in those days, you know, because it was a pretty place you could go out and have your picture taken at the gazebo and... Mm-hmm. Right, and, and it's, it was 144 years as it right. as we knew it, yeah. and so hopefully there's 144 more years of something you know equally as delightful. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm just thankful for all the people who have loved the hotel so much, and even though it's been just you know a short period of time, it, you know it's it hurts our hearts to see this beautiful building that had so much tradition and. 
mm-hmm. had family gatherings and you know wonderful memories for so many people around the country and that's why we wanted to mm-hmm. share the stories and thank I wanna, you very much for having oh me. you're very welcome I want to thank Susan Vistendahl and Sandy Haas for being here on Art Zany Radio it's been my great pleasure to be able to bring these memories and hope that you will continue to you know share those stories and keep keep, keep you know, thinking about who's been here and what do you want to do to make the future better for Northfield so thank you folks this is Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. Don't forget to add some Art Zany to your life. And of course, in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop, and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-334-7372.